Good morning, it's Wednesday the 13th of December and this is Govindraj Ethiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. A quick reminder, you can join this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and YouTube among other streaming platforms at 6am weekdays in Chennai and Hyderabad, 8.30am in Singapore and 7.30pm in New York the previous evening. Our top stories and themes for the day, high food prices take inflation up to 5.6%. Anti-obesity drugs to rising online sales, the big pharma trends of 2023. Airline SpiceJet to raise over 2,000 crore rupees lives to fight another day. And Steve Jobs' favourite Gorilla Glass comes to India. This is a core report with Govindraj Ethiraj. Inflation has risen again. India's Consumer Price Index, or CPI-based retail inflation in November, hit 5.55% according to data released by the National Statistical Office on Tuesday. In October, the retail inflation was at 4.87%. Now, the figure was somewhat anticipated and projected, but is still worrisome given the fact that a lot of it is being driven by double-digit inflation across food items ranging from fruits, vegetables and cereals. Pulse's inflation, which includes the various dals, was ruling at over 20%. Spices, too, were still over 21%. Interestingly, in the case of Pulse's, policy interventions don't seem to be working much, at least right now. Only oils saw a negative or minus 15% fall in prices, in keeping with the consistent trend of lower cooking oil prices thanks to imports. Meat and fish continue to stay around 2%, while eggs, milk and fish were close to around 6%. All of this is to give you a sense on which items of your food basket are actually rising and the ones that are not, in case you want to do some shifts. Till October, the retail inflation rate had actually declined for the second consecutive month to a five-month low. Now, this headline inflation is still within the Reserve Bank of India's tolerance band of 2-6% to 6% for the third month in a row in November. So, to better understand the workings of this time's inflation numbers and also economic growth, because they're all linked eventually, I reached out to Aditi Nair, Chief Economist and Head of Research at ICTRA Ratings, and I began by asking her how she was viewing the latest numbers. We had actually forecast the November CPI inflation at 5.6%, so the headline number is in line with what we projected. The internals are a little bit different. So, he's a little bit higher than what we had projected, but some of the core items are lower. Now, for December, we're looking at a CPI inflation print of about 56 to 5.8%, so slightly higher than where we are for November. And after that, with the base effects kicking in, we should glide down and have much better looking prints in Q4 and Q1 of next year, although a lot of that is going to be because of the base effects. Now, setting that aside, fundamentally looking at the outlook, the Ravi season isn't looking great. We had a bad monsoon. The reservoir levels are below where they were last year and the historical average. Ravi sowing is still below last year's levels. There is a lot of concern in terms of our basic food grains, in addition to the fact that we have the typical vegetable price shock, which is sort of playing itself out through a couple of different vegetables over the last few months. So I am going to say that for the year as a whole, we are in line with the MPC's 5.4% inflation forecast. But having a normal monsoon will be very critical next year to get inflation down below 5%. Right. And you said that the internals are different or not what you thought they were. Can you give us one or two illustrations? So fuel and light and housing inflation have come in lower than what we had penciled in for November. And this is offset by food inflation, which is actually on the higher side. 
headline is in line with what we had forecast and does that make any difference to people like us or not not really i mean you know obviously the cost of eating is a little bit higher than what we would have thought but the thing with vegetables is that they spike up every time we have a supply shock and then they come crashing down back to relatively uh, similar levels in the winter months so like i typically say that a lot of stuff costs 80 to 100 rupees a kilo in the summer and then it costs between 20 and 40 rupees a kilo in the winter year after year after year so that is something that you know we keep reverting back to these prices but food grains is a different story so when we talk about cereals and pulses there firstly when we have a supply shock it gets entrenched for a longer period of time it's stickier and we don't have the same kind of reversion back to you know winter prices kind of a thing every year the way we do for vegetables because with msps and with a higher cost of production food grain prices are something that move up structurally right and what's your sense on the growth numbers that have come in and of course this happened few days ago but in terms of how you've been projecting or predicting so we have been saying this whole year that it's going to be a story of two halves or uh, growth is optically going to look really great very high in h1 and then it's going to look like it's a lot softer in h2 and broadly the average growth of 7.7% for h1 of fy24 is in line with our initial projections although you know q1 was lower than what we thought it was a little higher than what we thought but average for h1 is broadly in line with what we were penciling in now h2 is a little bit for different story there are base effects there's a bad agri situation unfolding rural demand is likely to be cautious the tailwind from commodity prices is becoming slower and slower in a sense and we are concerned that government capex is going to slow down as we get closer to the elections that is a structural issue as we get closer to the world code of conduct etc and it is something that is going to optically result in growth looking softer in the second half of the year than the first half now because we have festive season shifting and base effects the high frequency indicators for october are absolutely not in line with what i'm saying right now but the point is we need to look through that november indicators are likely to be quite different from october so we shouldn't assume that q3 is going to pan out very similar to q2 based on what we're seeing for the month of october like the iip growth right aditi thank you so much for joining me thank you markets and oil meanwhile in the stock markets neither the 70000 mark or the 21000 mark held their levels somewhat broad based selling pulled both those major indices down with the bsc sensex ending 378 points lower at 69551 and the nifty 50 closing 91 points lower at 20906 and now the energy segment brought to you by india energy week oil prices stayed low once again thanks to higher supplies which diluted the production curbs by the organization of petroleum exporting countries alliance so non opec countries are essentially pumping more or dumping more oil depending on how you want to see it Brent is now trading near or still holding around $76 a barrel. Spreads between monthly contracts continue to indicate oversupply with the front end of the Brent futures curve this week closing at the weakest level since June, Bloomberg data said. Oil has now dropped for the past 7 weeks, the longest losing run since 2018 and is now down by about a fifth from a peak in late September. forecasts interestingly for slowing Chinese consumption growth and lingering risks of recession in the United States 
are also endangering the outlook into the first quarter of next year, according to Bloomberg once again. The energy segment is supported by the India Energy Week to be held in February next year. Log on to www.indiaenergyweek.com for more details. Anti-obesity drugs to online sales, the big pharma trends of 2023. So, trends that have been somewhat visible to us anecdotally are now showing up in drug sales data. In the last year, for instance, younger patients are getting treated for cardiac or heart-related ailments. Overall, more drugs are being dispensed to treat neurological and central nervous system conditions. Possibly, many patients are also going in for treatment earlier and thus diagnosing symptoms faster than before. Online sales are strong and even stronger in some parts of the country like eastern India. Sales of semaglutide, the generic term for anti-diabetes drug ribalsis and now also anti-obesity drug manufactured by Danish drug giant Novo Nordisk are picking up briskly. This drug was launched last January in India and is now worth several hundred crores of rupees. Quite a few drugs that have gone off patent are being picked up by Indian drug majors as branded generics but and are able to sell them at almost one-fourth the price. Now, this is not a new trend in itself but has picked up fairly well in the last year, including in diabetes drugs and from companies like Alchem and US Vitamins. Interestingly, Augmentin is also off patent but doctors are more comfortable prescribing this best-selling drug with the original that's made by GSK, also because of its more sensitive applications, including inside hospitals. I caught up with Sheetal Sapali, Vice President at tracking and analysis firm PharmaRack, and I began by asking her to walk us through the top trends that she had seen and was seeing. Actually, a lot of new trends that the market has seen. So let me start with first trend on the market consumption patterns. Many drugs which are supposed to be taken once a day, or you know, it's a lifetime thing, especially drugs on the antihypertensive segment or in the diabetes segment, actually the point of purchase changed from the brick and mortar store to the online pharmacies. Because in COVID times also, people got used to getting drugs through online pharmacies and online pharmacies do give you a lot of discount. That was number one. Second trend we saw was a lot of molecules lost their patent like cetagliptin, linagliptin, sacupetrol, valsartan, these molecules which were very good molecules in the cardiodiabetes space and time-tested and trusted molecules, they lost patent, they became more affordable. So a lot of eligible patients gradually shifted because the price difference between the innovator and the generics, the branded generics is almost 25% the cost of the innovator molecule. It's almost one-fourth. Another trend that we saw in this market is even after the branded generics came in the market, unlike the earlier versions, earlier a branded generic would come in the market and probably make 5 crore, 10 crore turnover. Here we have seen a good number of branded generics could manage to cross a turnover of 20 crores, which is a significant achievement. So once a product went off patent, earlier almost 100 brands jumped into the market. So before the product went off patent, there were only two brands. After the product went off patent, there were 100 brands in the market. Out of these 100 brands, close to 10 to 15 brands could manage to cross a turnover of 20 crore, which is again a significant achievement. Also in this year, what we have seen is there were good interesting molecules that were launched in the market. Not this year, if you say in Jan 22, we have seen this brand from Novo. So Ribelsis, it's a semaglutide molecule brand from Novo Nordisk. 
which was launched in Jan 22 and it is meant for obesity anti obesity product this brand actually is having a turnover of around 275 crore within one and a half year of launch so the acceptance of this molecule in the market has moved up so basically i feel that this lifestyle diseases awareness and appetite to treat because these are expensive products has improved significantly then there were some other molecules also like phenerenone vericiguat and decidustat so phenerenone is usually meant for cardiac conditions to lower the risk of serious kidney diseases or vericiguat both are from bayer vericiguat and vericiguat both these molecules are for cardiac conditions to reduce the heart failure or chronic conditions and there is a molecule from zydus which is decidustat which is again a sort of product for treatment of anemia in chronic kidney diseases all these molecules were launched in say somewhere in jan 22 and they gradually picked up in 2023 all these molecules saw a significant pickup and acceptance in the market coming back to the anti obesity part what we realized that there were anti obesity market always existed it's not that after semaglutide came in the market the anti obesity market suddenly people started seeing opportunity but two years back the market was close to 160 crore semaglutide or uh, this brand from novo ribelsis it may have created a good marketing strategy number one and it the genuinely the molecule is a good and globally accepted molecule but then the market all of a sudden from 160 crore has jumped to become a 433 crore today so it has almost i would say more than doubled in its turnover in terms of value and also in terms of unit consumption the overall market has moved up when we talk to a few doctors also certain caregiver institutes we realize that people now proactively go for treatment of certain conditions so they don't wait for things to you know go to the last stage that's number 1 number 2 is obesity cardiac ailments diabetes as conditions they are now becoming more common in a lower age group and the willingness to treat the condition also the capacity in terms of being able to afford this treatment is definitely there in the younger age group besides obesity we also saw that certain neuro cns conditions have or you know drugs used in neuro cns conditions like depression anxiety these drugs have also started picking up well in 2023 we used to feel that in covid times because of that loneliness and everything or death of some near and dear one may have led to increase in this antidepressants but what when we talk to doctors and also some of the key companies operating in the neuro cns segment we realize that the patient fall has moved up significantly for the neuro cns conditions so people do not wait for the condition to deteriorate also going to a neurologist or a psychiatrist is no longer considered to be a taboo so people try to treat the conditions which are meant for mental illness conditions are getting treated at a slightly early stage as against what used to happen at a very very late or later stage right you talked about the shift from offline to online is there any percentage or numbers that you can share i don't have any market numbers but when i keep on talking to a good number of pharma companies and clients i think the percentage shift has moved to around 10 to 12% for you know mass market product in places like east zone there i think the percentage shift is around 30 35% because 
over there the cost of the drugs is on a relatively lower side because there are local players which operate in this market and selling through online pharmacies becomes more profitable for majority of the companies over there so wherever you need to skip the retail store and manage the profits for products which really don't exist in that high end therapeutic segments they are general paracetamol cough and cold products in those areas online pharmacies becomes the most preferred choice that's interesting shital you're saying that anywhere between 10 to 30% of the pharma sales market has gone online now in india yeah so i would say 30% in places like eastern zone that to you know calcutta or west bengal and further east states but then in still in you know places like west zone central india delhi it would be anywhere between 10 to 15% depending upon the company's marketing strategy there are some companies who operate only through normal trade and some companies have started shifting for i will not name a company there is a company in the stomatological segment which has got a leadership position in the segment itself good relation with the doctors and they have good sales as well in certain cities within india without a field force operating there and all the products go to that particular segment to the dentist through online sales what is the condition its stomatologicals would be products meant for dentists okay got it as a broad overview what are you seeing in 2024 or at least in coming months in coming months the market has to do well because market disruptions will definitely not happen the market continues to grow the way it has been growing because i also did not see any disruption major disruption happening in 2023 it's obvious that when products lose patent things change but there are no major patent or molecules going off patent next year so the status quo should be maintained and semaglutide which is this ribavirin is a drug from novo nordisk i think that will make some more wonders because the last two years one on one the product has been growing and doing well Shital, thank you so much for joining me. SpiceJet lives to fight another day. The Delhi-based airline appears to have got a fresh lease of life or is not going to give up without a fight of which it has had several already. The airline whose schedules have been fairly awry in recent months, leading to much stress amongst passengers, said it will raise fresh capital of around 2250 crore rupees by issuing equity shares to institutional and private investors. who include names like Elara India Opportunities Fund Aries Opportunities Fund and Prabudas Leelander Ajay Singh chairman and managing director of SpiceJet said that this was a significant fundraise and was designed to strengthen SpiceJet's financial position enhance operational capabilities settle outstanding issues and position the airline once again for sustained growth in the dynamic aviation sector Gorilla Glass comes to India When Steve Jobs was building out the iPhone, he apparently decided that he wanted to use glass instead of plastic for the phone's screen or the iPhone screen, but glass cracked too easily. Someone suggested he check with Corning, the now 170-year-old New York headquartered company which had developed tough but light glass for ophthalmic products and applications in automotive, aviation and pharmaceutical industries. As the story goes, Steve Jobs flew to Corning, New York to meet with Corning CEO Wendell Weeks and explain that he wanted the iPhone screen to be made of glass, but that it had to be durable and he needed enough of it within 6 months to be produced for all the iPhones he was planning to sell. Weeks apparently told Jobs that he wasn't really geared to actually mass produce it, to which Jobs placed a massive order for Gorilla Glass anyway. 
and repeatedly telling weeks and reportedly I guess don't be afraid you can do this the iPhone was unveiled in early January 2007 and went on sale in late June and the rest of course is history forward to now and back home corning will invest about 1000 crore rupees to set up a manufacturing facility in tamil nadu to make gorilla glass multiple sources aware of that development told the economic times the facility could come up near chennai on a 25 acre plot and employ around 300 people so this marks the formal entry of another apple supplier into india thus obviously expanding the ecosystem for apple and electronic component manufacturing Corning's intent to make Gorilla Glass in India has been known for some time but it was unclear where it would eventually set up shop. The choice of Tamil Nadu if it is indeed the final location appears to have been driven by the fact that it will be closer to the iPhone ecosystem. Tamil Nadu Industries Minister TRB Raja told the Economic Times that while he would not delve into the specifics of potential investment commitments which may be under consideration he could affirm that tamil nadu is diligently crafting an outstanding electronics ecosystem of international standards corning would work with its indian partner optimius infracom for this facility on that note of gorilla glass coming to india the iphone and the apple manufacturing ecosystem expanding further that's it from me now have a great day ahead That was the core report with me Govindraj Athiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant including of course India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback@thecore.in at and thank you once again for listening. <laughs>